Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Um, thank you for an opportunity to gather together with um, like-minded people, uh, with church family, God, to, to lift up your name. And I pray, God, today that you would be honored, um, that you would um, just hear a beautiful noise for you, God, and that we would grow closer to you through your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 God, we praise you. Amen, 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 we pray. 
Christ be magnified in me. I won't bow to idols, I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, then I'll rejoice cause you're there too. I won't be for my feelings, I hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection life And if I join you in your suffering Then I'll join you when you rise And when you return in glory With all the angels and the saints My heart will still be singing And my song will be the same Oh Christ be magnified, let his praise arise, Christ be magnified in me, oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me, oh, Christ be magnified let his praise arise christ be magnified in me oh christ be magnified from the altar of my life christ be magnified in me Oh Lord, oh Lord 
church of God, the Son of Heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. Oh, praise the
your Bibles and you'd like to follow along with me, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. We just got a couple of verses this morning. I, I, I'm almost always uh, an expository preacher, and by that I mean kind of a verse-by-verse verse type of preacher. Occasionally, I, I, I take a message from Scripture and kind of weave it in with a with a with a story or testimony, and I'm doing that today, kind of weaving it in with a with a personal story to uh, to talk about how God wants us to care for one another, especially care for our family. So let's let's pray. Ask God to speak for, from His Word. God, as we read Your Word, dear Father, as we, as I bring Your Word to Your people, God, speak through me. Uh, speak to each person who's here today, Lord, at the point of our spiritual needs, Lord, and at the point of our, our family relationships. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people agreed. Amen. Hey, thanks for praying with, with me. Would you stand with me? We're, we've got a, just a couple of verses from Scripture this morning uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, the Word of God tells us, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Uh, please be seated. Uh, uh, the, the passage uh, we just read from Ephesians is, is number five of the Ten Commandments. And this commandment to, to honor our parents, to, to respect them, to to hold them up in honor is so important that the commandment appears, you know, eight times in the scriptures. It's uh, two times in the Old Testament where it's originally given, and then six more times in the New Testament. And as the Lord tells us here, it, it's the first commandment with a promise. So if we honor our parents, uh, the Lord said this, this is one way that he wants us, uh, wants to give us a long, a good, a blessed life. And one of the ways we we honor our parents is by by caring for them um, as they age. And as as we look at our own lives, as we look at our as our at our families, you know, most of us who are here today will one day care for an aging parent. You may already be caring for an aging parent because I, I've heard some of your stories, or or you may be that that parent that will one day be cared for by a family member or by one of your children. And God, God uses the experiences that, that I have and that you have, um, and He uses these challenging experiences that we go through to, to help other Christians in, in the church family. And so the, the Lord's led me to, to preach today on this, on this theme of, you know, how do we care for, for aging parents? And, um, what I've chosen to do and what the Lord's led me to do is kind of weave my story of how I've cared for, for my parents in, to, into some, you know, I believe some spiritual lessons on how, how we can be cared for if, if children care for us one day or how we can care for, for our parents one day or if we're doing it right now. Um, my, my parents are both with the Lord. You know, my, my dad died from uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma back in 2015. My, my mom died in 2018 with, with colon cancer. And so my, my story really backs up and it starts uh, 15 years ago. Uh, my, my parents are 66 at the time. I'm, I'm pastoring in the state of Louisiana. Uh, my mother's moved 
close to, to Connie and me and our son, Josh. Uh, she, you know, she moved from Georgia to be close to us because she's caring for her uh, 87-year-old mom who has, has Alzheimer's and dementia. My, my dad's living 650 miles away in, in metro Atlanta, Georgia, and he's caring for his mom who has uh, Alzheimer's uh, and she's also legally blind. She's got macular degeneration, and that's the kind of blindness where you can see peripherally, but you can't really see anything um, head on. And I had the habit, as a pastor, I've usually been off on Fridays, and I've had the habit of just every, every Friday, me and my dad talk Friday morning about, about 10 a.m. You know, everything in our, in our phone calls all, always seems to be good. It's just kind of that you know, general chit-chat. How are you doing? You know, what, what's going on in your life? You're taking care of grandma. What, what's going on? What's going on with her? And everything seemed okay. And then, and then one day, I get a call from my dad's next-door neighbor, and it's a neighbor that I've never met, but I've heard my dad talk about countless times that, you know, he's my best neighbor. He's one of my closest friends in the world. And when the neighbor calls me, he says, you know, something's wrong with your dad. We don't quite know what it is, but your dad usually has the, the, the best yard in the neighborhood. It's always meticulously groomed, and he hasn't mowed it in weeks. There's like uh, 12 inches of grass. And, and I, my, your dad told me that he got fired from his job, that he's getting confused at work. And then he also goes to visit friends, and then he can't find his way back home. And when you're in a place like Metro Atlanta, huge, huge city, uh, you don't want to get it lost in a place like that. And so I, you know, I end up calling my dad and I ask what's wrong. And, you know, he's pretty evasive and says, nothing's really wrong. And I said, you know, your neighbor's telling me there's some big things wrong. I said, you know, Connie and I want to drive in, uh, in, in a day or so and just, you know, spend some time with you and grandma. We'll, we'll come for a week. Can we do that? And we, we, we arranged to, 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 to stay with a friend of theirs if we needed to. And when we, when we got into their house that evening, you know, 650 miles is a, is a pretty good drive. When we got into their house that evening, I, I'm, I'm literally shocked to the point of tears. Um, and my, my dad and grandma were such, were such a mess that they looked like they hadn't bathed in a month. Uh, their yard's a mess. Their, their house is a mess. There's, there's piles of dirty laundry everywhere. There's, there's not a clean dish in the house. There's, you know, piles of dirty dishes in, in several places. Bills aren't getting paid. Uh, the, uh, I, I go through their, their bills and their utilities are about ready to get, uh, turned off. And in all these calls with my dad, um, because they were kind of things on the surface, my, my dad was able to kind of keep it covered up. I, I didn't pick up on how bad things really were. And, and, it's like, and it's like my dad stepped off a cliff cognitively one day and things just changed gradually. And, and I've seen, you know, older adults, uh, you know, have memory loss and dementia and Alzheimer's. And, and many times it comes gradually over, over several years. You know, my dad came, my dad's memory loss came over three or four weeks. And so, uh, you know, it was rapid. It, 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 it surprised us. And, and so the first thing we did was, uh, you know, Connie and I got, got together a game plan. We talked together, we prayed together, and we knew we needed to st start with doctor's visits. So, you know, we took my dad to a neurologist, and he did the scans and the tests, and some of the tests are verbal tests, and, you know, questions, some are, some are written, and then they're, you know, they're tests on my, on my dad's brain. And the doctor told us that, your, your dad had a series of very tiny mini strokes called TIAs 
and it caused just a, a small brain bleed, very small, probably so small that nobody knew about the mini strokes, not, not even your dad. The brain bleed was so small that he didn't notice it, but it's caused this short-term memory loss that your dad's having. And, and my dad, as I, you know, I shared with you other times, my, my dad struggled with alcoholism uh, much of his adult life. He came to faith in Christ and that, that helped a lot, but he relapsed a couple times. And the, the doctor said, you know, the, the dementia your dad's wrestling with now, it's even been, you know, exacerbated, accelerated because, you know, he, he had so much long-term drinking in his life. And then to, to make matters worse on top of that, um, the doctor said, you know, in taking his blood work, we've discovered he's got undiagnosed leukemia. So we've got the, the memory loss, uh, the leukemia, and it, it really felt devastating that, that day, that week. And thankfully, even though we're, we're there just over a week, um, you know, we talked to doctors. They were able to get us in in a hurry. You know, many times you make doctor's uh, appointments with specialists, and it, you know, it can take several weeks to get in. So uh, you know, we were able to get him into to an oncologist that week, too. And I found that you know, one of the difficult um, transitions for, for everyone in this kind of situation is, is a reversal of roles. Um, I had to start making uh, decisions for my dad and my grandma because they, they couldn't make them anymore. They couldn't take care of themselves anymore. So, you know, I'm the adult child making decisions for, you know, for my dad and, and for his mother. And I remember hearing James, Do James Dobson talk many years ago, and, and he said, you know, you'll get to a time in your life where you're the child, but you'll have to parent your parents because, because they're going to get, you know, physically, um, their, their physical health is going to decline or their cognitive health is going to decline, and, and we're there. And so, um, you know, as we're beginning to help, you know, make some decisions for them, guided decisions, I found my, my dad's 66, and, you know, my dad's pretty wonderful through this experience, and he's really cooperative with me. My, my grandma's 87. I've always had a really good relationship with my grandma, but she, she was just stubborn. She just fought me and Connie every single step of the way. Um, you know, just, 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 just resisted, just pushed back. And it wasn't, we didn't have heated arguments. She just said no, or she'd say yes, and then do the opposite of what, you know, what my grandma committed to do. And, and Connie, Connie and I, you know, we, we both worked, uh, with older adults. Connie worked, uh, as a caregiver with, uh, with people in the last year of their life. She did that for seven years in college. She worked in a nursing home. I, I did some chaplaincy at a senior adult community for us for a summer. So we, we had some experience working, you know, working with adults with memory loss, but it, it's different when it, when it comes and, and visits, uh, visits your family. And so, you know, we, as we dealt with my my dad and my grandma, you know, we talked it over with them. You know, we we listened to them. We we got their input. You know, sometimes we were able to go their way, and other times we'd say, I'd say, Dad or Grandma, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but you know, we just can't do it that way. It's it's not the best decision for for you two. And you know, when you reverse those roles. It creates some stress for everyone, and it creates some ambivalence for everyone. You get all those kind of uncertain uh, emotions and uncertain decisions that you start to make. But but step by step, um, we we began to uh, you know help my dad and my grandma with with next steps for their life. And there there may be a time you know folks in, in your life where you as an adult child have to step up and care for a parent or a parent, or or you may be the older adult and and you may have to give up some independence with your with your uh, 
with your help, help that you'll have to let your kids, you know, take care of you or make some guided decisions for you. And I had some unexpected surprises that that first week we spent with my dad and grandma um, in Atlanta. Not, not only were the, the their surprises about, the, you know, the health changes and all the repercussions of that, but I I was surprised how how much it hit my heart, how how much it hit me emotionally. I found like it was like walking into a brick wall in terms of the just you know the sadness it caused. I remember the first time we walked out of their house, I mean, I, my 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 tears just just kept coming, and you know I got this awesome wife Connie, and she just hugged me up and and prayed with me. But I just it it was just really hard seeing seeing my dad yeah go through that mess. Um. I've got I've got one brother and I love my brother. He's a great great guy and I, I call my brother. He works for an airline company. Uh, he he manages uh, the repairs of jets and so he can jump on a plane and, and get anywhere in the U.S. You know, usually really quickly within a day or two. And I, you know, I just I called him up. And I said, Dave, could could you come and and help me this week, or could you come the next week and kind of take over? And my my brother said. You know, I just got way too much stress in my life. I don't do good with with people who are who are older. I I'm, I just can't help you. I'm, I'm not going to do it. And I said, I get that, but I still really could use your help. But I found in, in talking with other families that can be really common that there's 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 just one person in the family, one child, one grandchild who's who's willing to step up. I'm the person in my family. You know, Connie's been the person in her family. Um, my my dad and my grandma, what they what they tried to talk us into that week was, um, you know, we just want to do it alone. We've got good neighbors. We've we've got good friends. They'll help us. We really don't need you and Connie at all. And uh, I I understood that 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 desire for independence. But you know, I talked to their friends and their neighbors, and by the time we got there, they said we're already at our wits' end. You know, we can provide some support, but we can't do all they need. You need to do it. You know, we'll we'll provide you some some long distance support, but you know, we had to be the people to step out. Uh, I had to have that car keys talk with my dad. Have any of you all done that? <laughs> had to have the car keys talk, and I I want to honor my dad. I want to treat him with dignity, and I, I want to include him in the decisions. And so, you know, I said, you know, I've been in the car when you drive. You drive really well. But I said, one day you're, you've got a lot of clarity. The next day you're, you're pretty confused. And in the late afternoons, uh, he had sundowning and that's with people with memory loss. As the day gets longer, uh, the memory loss gets, gets messier. And, and my dad had that. And I said, I'm, I'm really concerned you might get hurt or you might hurt somebody else or you might go someplace and, and you can't figure out your way to get back because that, that's already happened. And so, uh, you know, my dad handled it over his car keys, and it wasn't easy. I had to stand my ground, but there was there was no real argument. Yeah, we we didn't fight about it. Um, the next step we took uh, was, you know, we went to the bank. I knew my dad hadn't been paying his bills, so we went to the bank. I got my name put on his bank account, so you know, I could do online bill pay for him. I could write a check if I if I had to. Um, we also went to that week. We went to an estate attorney. That was really helpful. He, you know, he guided us through the steps, and my dad and grandma were sitting there with me and Connie. And despite the memory loss, 
when we talked about who should make decisions and what end of life would look like with living wills, uh, you know, they had enough cognitive capacity. We're able to t- we were able to talk that over and we're able to to honor their wishes, and so we were able to get all that taken care of. And you know, that was a lot of help. And I remember my my dad saying afterwards, he said. He said, are, are you at, are you, are you more at peace now? He says, I know you have to take care of us, but we don't want to make it hard on you. We want to make it easy on you. So are you at peace now that we've got that done? And I said, yeah, yeah of course, dad. And, uh, so, so those things were, were really super helpful. Um, my, my dad and my grandma, um, you know, they couldn't live independently any longer, so we talked about what are the options. They said, you know, our friends and neighbors will help. I said, I, I talked to your friends and neighbors. They're, they're, they're already, you know, they're already uh, exhausted from doing it. They're not going to help anymore. So I said, you could move closer to us, um, which was 650 miles out of state, or, or we could, uh, or you could live in a home, or we could bring caregivers into your home. Uh, they didn't want to move. They didn't want to go to assisted living. So we, we, uh, put, we hired some caregivers, and I, I'd pastored in that area at one time, so had some wonderful friends at church who could recommend people that they used as caregivers for their family, and 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 we brought them in. And we decided we'd have a trial run for just two weeks. We'd see how this worked. I'd I'd talk to the caregivers every couple of days. I'd talk to I said, Dad, we'll talk with you every couple of days, and, and we found we ran into big problems. Like within hours of getting back home, you know, one problem we had my my dad had one sister who was estranged, and uh, she she had been had a bankruptcy, and she was always trying to get money from family members, and she never paid it back, and so there was a there there was a lot of tension there, and I you know Connie and I were fearful that his sister would come in and you know try to try to take what they had, and so. We'd gone to the lawyer, we'd gone to the bank, we thought we had everything protected, but, you know, she still kind of swooped in and, and defrauded them of much of what they had. And we, we thought we'd done things right, but evidently we made some mistakes there. I talked to a lawyer, I talked to police, and they said, it's really common, and when it happens, it's, it's, it's very hard for you to make a case. And so, yeah, despite all that, you know, we worked with a lawyer, worked with the police, got about a third of the third of it back. But it really made an impact on, you know, the resources they had to care for themselves in the last years of their life. And another issue we ran into pretty quickly was we had these two great caregivers who come in on alternate days. And some days my grandma just wouldn't let them into the house. <laughs> They'd come to the door. She'd lock the door, talk to them through the screen door and just wouldn't let them in. Or she would let them in and let them cook breakfast, and then she'd send them home. And they, they had a they had a minimum of an eight-hour day. So if they're for an hour, that doesn't work. You still pay them for an eight-hour day. And so I, I talked with my dad, and my dad says, I just can't control my mom. Um, and so we decided we'd just move them closer to us. And so we we found an assisted living uh, place that was a couple miles from our home, you know, move, move them there. And, and things went... Things went really well for several weeks, and to everyone's surprise, my, my grandma, who seemed to be in good physical health, ended up having a having a stroke and ended up going to be with the Lord. And so, my, my dad come to live, came to live with us for six months, and that was quite the journey. Uh, we we set up a, a bedroom in our house that, with a with a TV for my dad, and and we had a connecting restroom, so that that worked really well for him. And uh, but you know. 
and I took a few months off from work and so I could care for my dad. And we did lots of things he enjoyed. We watched sports. We went to movies. Uh, we'd go saltwater fishing, which we, we'd done since I was a kid. We, we laughed a lot. I'm, I'm a big fan of mixed martial arts. I enjoy, uh, you know, watching UFC, which is uh, cage fighting, uh, if you haven't watched that. And I tried to get my dad to be a fan. No way. It wasn't going to happen. And uh, my, my dad was a, was a, big joker. Uh, we, we, we did a lot of joking, a lot of teasing in our family. And uh, he, he told our son, Josh, who was, I think, 14 at the time, all these incredibly tall tales about me that had like this much truth and then this much story. So we, uh, you know, we just had a lot of laughter with that. And so um, I'm, I'm Charles III. And so when we had family gatherings when I was a kid, my, my granddad was Charles, my dad was Charlie, and then I'm little Charlie. <laughs> which is the absolute worst when you're a kid, when your family's calling you little Charlie. And so I just, I just hated that when I was a kid. And so, you know, my, my grandparents especially wanted to, I wanted me to name our son, um, uh, Charles the, the fourth. And I, they said, why didn't you do that? I said, I hated being little Charlie as a kid. What are we going to call Josh? Teeny weeny Charlie? <laughs> Teeny weeny Charlie? And so, you know, we, we went with the biblical name Josh instead. And, uh, and because my dad told our son that story, um, my son for the next year introduced me to his girlfriend and every new person we met, here's my dad, he's little Charlie. <laughs> so, um, one thing that was a big uh, help for us was uh, where we lived in Lake Charles at the time, uh, we found a, a geriatric psychiatrist. I didn't even know they existed, but it was a mental health doctor who specialized in, in senior adults and in memory loss. He did this really interesting thing the first, the first time we met him. You know how doctors do it. You're in the, you're in the big waiting room. And then after you're there, they give you hope. They put you in the little waiting room and then you still wait a time. And he put us in the little waiting room for 60 minutes. And uh, we just talked and laughed and waited. And then when we got to his office, he said, you know, I've been listening to you for the past hour. He said, I wanted to see how you all interacted as a family. And he said, that'll help me treat your, your dad better. And, and we, you know, we laughed, we joked, we told stories. So, you know, we, we got the thumbs up that we were doing some things right. But, you know, things that helped us, you know, the, the doctor gave us all sorts of coaching. Uh, he gave my dad some meds that, that, that helped some. He, he advised us to buy this book called The 36-Hour Day. And that means if you're caring for an older parent, your 24-hour days become 36-hour days. And I, I found, you know, reading that book uh, really helped coach me through all of it. And uh, I found my dad, he, we, we had lots of good times. We, we had fun, we laughed, uh, you know, we played together, we did all these things that my dad enjoyed. But I found with, that, with that, um, that cognitive loss that my dad was experiencing, you know, it came with all this inner darkness, this, uh, this anger, this discouragement, uh, this kind of mild depression. You know, my dad really was, you know, wrestling with what was going on. You know, my dad was losing it and he, he knew he was losing it. And that, that was really uh, difficult. And when I, as a kid, when I grew up, you know, since my dad drank a lot, explosive anger was part of our family dynamic at times. And, and uh, I wondered when we brought him into our house, I said, Dad, what happened growing up can't happen in, our, in my house. I said, I'm not having you blow up, 
you know, in front of Connie and blow up in front of Josh. And, and thankfully that only happened one time in six months. God was really good. And, um, you know, I found that, you know, every day was an adventure. And, uh, but I had to be, I had to kind of be a coach to my dad. You know, you've got to take a shower. You've got to brush your teeth. You've got to take out your bridge. You've got to, you know, let it soak overnight like dentures. Uh, and so, and, you know, I tell my dad that, you know, five minutes later, he forgot it. And so, you know, night, nights were really tough. So I just have to stand there with my dad and, you know, said, you know, got to brush your teeth, got to floss, got to do this, got to get, get a shower and just kind of coached him through it. And, you know, we weren't hard. I wasn't hard, wasn't demanding, just kind of rolled with it. And, and, you know, it, it went relatively well, but we both had to have a lot of patience. And yeah, every day was an adventure. Laughter one day, you know, um, some tears the next. And, and my dad, one thing he wanted to do to maintain independence was he really enjoyed fixing his own breakfast, which was just an English muffin and coffee. And no matter how often I explained the toaster oven to my dad, it just didn't happen. So every, almost every day was a burned English muffin. And I said, Dad, I can cook it for you. And he said, no, I, I like to do it. If I burned it, I'll eat it. And then, you know, I don't, Connie and I don't drink coffee, but our son does. So, uh, our son and I, my, our son and our dad shared the coffee maker. So some days Josh would have his coffee grounds already used left in the coffee maker. And my dad would forget to put coffee grounds in it. So it was really watery coffee that next day. The next day, there was new coffee in it. My dad put more coffee in it. And so that coffee was thick as mud the next day. And so, so I, we, as I talked to dad, I said, you know, we can do that. And he said, no, I'd rather do it myself. He says, if the coffee's thick, if the coffee is watery, I'm okay. I'm doing it. I'm making my own mistakes. And, and so we just kind of lo- learned to, to choose our battles wisely. And, uh, you know, I, thankfully, I was able to take off a few months of, of work to, to kind of care for my dad. But, you know, eventually I had to get back to work. And uh, Connie and I worked full time. Our son was a high schooler. Uh, some days I'd get be able to come home for lunch. Many times I wouldn't, you know, but we'd prepare lunch. But I found those eight hour days with my dad at home alone were, were just tough. My dad got lonely, he got bored. And, uh, you know, we had a TV, a TV remote, but boy, if he hit the remote wrong, you know, it was a snowy TV all day long. And that was a, that was a messy day. You couldn't get the remote turned back to, you know, to the right channel. When you're having to deal with HDMI, um, inputs that, that can be really tough. And f- for a few months, you know, since my mom lived close to us for a few months, my, my, my dad would stay with my mom during the day, stay with us on evenings and weekends. Um, my mom was caring for her mom, so it, it was tough for her to do two two things. And so uh, we had lots of family meetings. Uh, my mom finally insisted, I've got to take care of your dad because you're away. And she's c- taking care of her mother, who's 87 with Alzheimer's. Uh, you know, we worked as a team. We loved each other. We laughed a lot, but it, it was messy and difficult. You know, my, my mom got super burned out. And she would never do any self-care. And we asked her again and again. She wouldn't do it. Sometimes she'd leave my dad and my grandma with us like for all day Saturday. But, you know, wouldn't do self-care. So I found my my mother got so burned out. You know, she just really became an angry person for a couple of years. And, you know, relationships would get strained some days. And so, you know, we found a Christian counselor. And my my mom and I went to family counseling uh, together just to find ways. How can we make this work well that we can care for one another and care for dad and care for my grandma? You know, we worked together. We made it work. And then two years later, we uh, 
God called us to a church out of state. We ended up in St. Louis, Missouri, and I asked my parents to, to come with us, and no way. They didn't want to come because St. Louis has lots of snow, and so uh, their best friends in the world live on the Atlantic coast of Florida and St. Augustine, so they ended up living close to these friends. Uh, not that the friends were caring for them, but just they'd be near friends that they that they loved a lot, and so, but we were 1,300 miles away, and being 1,300 miles away with, with aging parents with health problems is, is, a, is a real challenge. And my, my, my mother's mother, you know, was 94 in when, she, when she went home to be with the Lord. And so my mom continued to take care of my dad. They had good friends, good, a good church. Uh, they are 10 miles from the ocean. You know, I was, we were, grew up near the ocean, so our family had a passion for the ocean. So when Connie and I came in, we'd, we'd do things that were, were fun. We'd eat seafood. We'd, we'd go fishing. We'd, we'd walk on the beach. The, the things we enjoyed and my parents enjoyed. And my dad never argued with me about the car keys, but for some reason, when he was with my mother, boy, he would fight over the car keys. He just wanted to drive. There's something about independence of, of being able to drive. And so my mom said, you know, can you help? And I said, well, next time I come in, I'll take dad to the DMV. And so I said, dad, you know, we'll get you a Florida license and we'll let you drive if the DMV says it's okay. But we're going to, we got to be honest with them. So when I went to the DMV, I, I told the, the agent, I said, my dad really wants to drive, but he's got dementia and Alzheimer's. Some days he's clear. Some days he's really confused. Some days he gets lost. Uh, can he have a driver's license? And thank the Lord they said no. <laughs> and so we got him a state ID instead. And he just quit arguing with my mom about the car keys. But it seemed like my mom wasn't able to convince him. But for some reason, I was able to convince him. And going to the DMV was really helpful. Uh, my my dad's uh, cancer flared up, you know, twice when they're in Florida. He had you know 12 weeks of chemo, um, then the cancer went into remission for three years, and then the the cancer came back with a vengeance. And and uh, his his oncologist kept telling us he's going to make it, he's going to beat it, he's going to beat it. Then his oncologist went on vacation, and his partner called me, and she said, you know, my partner is really optimistic, but your dad's not going to beat it. You know, the, either the cancer is going to get him or the chemo is going to get him. It, it's time to stop the chemotherapy. And I remember the talk I had with my dad that day. My dad's just so sick, but still smiling, still laughing through the mess. And said, I said, Dad, do you want to do you want to um, stop fighting the cancer? And he said, yes. I said, do you, do you want to stay with chemotherapy? He said, yes. He just he just, you know, got to a point, just couldn't make the decision. And so, you know, we, we stopped the chemo and, you know, you know, things just leveled out for a while. Um, he went on hospice care, but you know, the Lord eventually, you know, took him home. And uh, I found, uh, you know, I was, I, was, I was at peace with the Lord taking my dad home. I, I love him. I, I miss him. Um, but, you know, he did his best. We did his best. And we did our best helping him. But I, I find, uh, you know, when you lose a parent, things are kind of surreal. I, uh, you know, I call my dad, I usually always call my dad on Friday mornings, you know, still even several years later, I'm looking at my cell phone on Friday morning, uh, you know, thinking about calling my dad. It, it can be kind of surreal at times. Um, you know, after my dad died, my, my mom said, I want to stay in Florida. And she just did okay, but had, you know, one medical issue after another. And it's really hard just caring for her that far away. And my, my mom was just always a super anxious person or, you know, I mean, over the top kind of anxiety. And I found that, 
you know, her living, just living alone without my dad made that anxiety go way up. And with, you know, with my dad gone, uh, mom and I, you know, talked about a game plan. What do we do next? And my mom always pushed me to push my dad uh, to get a living will, to have a power of attorney. To, to, she wanted me to make decisions with my dad rather than her make decisions with my dad because my, my dad was worked easier with me. But then the funny thing, when my dad was gone, I asked my mother, I said, I need a copy of a power of attorney. I, I, need, a, I, I need your living will so I can make the decisions like you want them whenever that happens. But my mother didn't want to do the thing she pushed me to do my dad to do, ironically. But, you know, again and again, every, every time I talked, I said, Mom, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? And she, you know, you know, finally got those things, those things done for us. And so, you know, we, we did things that I, I believe turned out to be smart. He, even though she was living independently, you know, I added my name to her bank account. So if I had to pay her bills, I could. Um, I, I added my name to her car title. I, um, you know, we joined our bank accounts electronically. Um, you know, we, we got all those, you know, uh, documents you need, um, estate documents. You, you can download some of those online. You can go to an estate attorney. Um, something so like a living will, usually a hospital will give those to you and you can kind of walk through those together. Um, you know, we, we talk regularly. Um, you know, we, uh, we flew to Florida when we could. And then, you know, three years after my dad died on a, on a Friday night, you know, you know, we're just, Connie and I are just sitting at home, I think just watching a movie on Friday night. And my, my mom called me crying and she says, I'm in the emergency room. I've got a horrible stomach ache. They don't know what's wrong. I'm going to have surgery tomorrow morning. Uh, would you pray with me? You know, 1300 miles, I couldn't get there in, you know, seven or eight hours. So I said, you know, I'll come in as soon as I could. And so um, she had the surgery and then my mom never woke up after the surgery. You know, she's on life support, but just never woke up. And I, I, I remember that uh, that night, um, you know, we talked, we prayed, you know, she was at peace with God. We we're at peace with one another. And, um, you know, I talked to her doctor in ICU and she had, she had great doctors. We've been so grateful. Medical care our family's had has been, we've had just outstanding people that God's put in our life. And the doctor just kept telling me she's going to come through this, but wait a couple days before you come in. Uh, let her get a little stronger. She'll be conscious. That way you can talk with her. So I waited a couple of days and he kept saying things were going to be okay. And so I, I flew in alone. You know, Connie was working. Our, our, our son's, uh, you know, married by this time doing his, you know, doing his thing. And so, you know, I flew in alone. But when I got there, the first thing his doctor, her doctor told me was, your mom's not going to beat this with, with septic shock and organ failure. You know, she just isn't strong enough to beat this. You know, would you consider taking her off life support? And I said, oh, my gosh, you told me for the past three days she's going to beat this. And he said, I don't like to get bad news over the phone. And I still said, oh, my gosh. I said, you know, I'm here without my wife. I'm here without my son because you gave me the wrong information on the phone. And so that, uh, you know, I called up Connie, called up Josh, talked with them and prayed with them. Um, their best friends in the world were there. They went, you know, they came and, you know, prayed with me. You know, good, good Christian folks. And so I remember that day, I just, my mom wasn't conscious. She wasn't going to be conscious again. But I, you know, I held her hands. I hugged her. I I prayed with her and, um, you know, she, she went to be with the Lord shortly after she was taken up, you know, taken off life support. Uh, 
one thing I, I wish we did, we, we never did. Um, you know, growing up in a, in a messy family with an alcoholic dad, um, at times we had this wonderful home, lots of laughter, lots of fun. You know, at times when my, my dad's drinking was just totally out of control, I found sometimes our home could be, uh, it would be abusive at times. And it was like a family secret for 40 years. And, and there was one time, you know, a couple years before my mom died, I said, Mom, sometime I'd really like to talk about it. You know, I'm at the point, I, I love you, I forgive you and dad, I, I don't want to blame anyone, I just would like to talk about it to get some peace of mind. And my, my mom just said, I, I can't talk about that. It's just too painful for me to talk about that. So, you know, we didn't talk about it. But I remember that, that Friday night, you know, before she had that surgery, she told me that Friday night, she says, after my surgery, we're, we're going to talk about it. We, I know I need to talk about it with you. Um, can you forgive me? And I said, Mom, I forgave you decades ago. I just wanted to talk about it. And uh, my encouragement is if, if you've got unfi unfinished relational business and you can talk about it, <laughs> talk about it. If you can't talk about it, I, I guess you can't. But I, I, it would have been good to talk. And, and sometimes you can't talk alone. Sometimes you need a Christian counselor to guide you through it. Sometimes you need a, a pastor to guide you through it. And yeah, I had a silver lining that 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 week. Uh, the Lord took my mother home. Um, you know, I, I told you our family's family's messy, and uh, my brother had these times where he got upset with my parents. You know, as adults, and just didn't talk to them for a few years. And at the time my my mom died, he'd been upset with my my mom about something, but he also hadn't talked to me in nine years. Nine years is a long time. I mean, I texted him, I called him, I emailed him, I messaged him on Facebook. I mean, just zero response. Uh, you know, when my dad died, my, you know, my brother didn't even show up. And so when my, my mother got so, so sick and was on life support, uh, you know, my, my brother's daughter, my niece, uh, said, you know, can I, uh, can I tell your brother about how sick your mom is? You know, I said, of course, please, please tell him. And, you know, after that nine years of silence, my brother called me up. He says, can I fly in and just spend some time with you? And I said, you know, absolutely. And, you know, when my, when my brother flew in, I said, you know, what happened? Why haven't we been talking for nine years? I'm not certain what I did or said wrong. He said, oh, you didn't do anything. I had a misunderstanding with mom. I just decided I was going to cut everybody off. It was just easier for me. And I said, that's kind of stupid, David. And he says, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and we, we um, for the next three days, we sat and talked. You know, we talked for like four-hour sessions. We went out to eat and talked for four hours. And it's like God brought us together like we'd, we'd never missed a day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that was one silver lining that, 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 you know, God kind of brought some healing to our family. And, you know, when Connie had cancer, uh, diagnosed with cancer a few years ago, you know, my brother was one of the most supportive, encouraging people to us. So, you know, in, in, in the midst of the mess, God is good. In the midst of the mess, God has some, you know, has some divine surprises and kind of bringing my brother and me back together was, was, was really a good thing. Um, you know, I, I love my parents, I miss my parents, but I know my parents are with Jesus, and one day we'll be with them. You know, there are days I'd love to have them come to Shawnee and, you know, have a meal in our house. You know, I love doing stuff at the ocean with my dad, love to do, love to do that again. Love, I'd love to have them come in and worship here with you all, because you're such awesome people. Um, but you, 
Jesus tells us, you know, when we get to heaven, there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. There'll be the, the marriage feast of the Lamb, a great heavenly reunion. You know, we look forward to those days. And so, you know, before, before uh, we end the message, um, you know, what should you do? If you've got an aging parent or grandparent and you're the one to step up, or if you're the aging parent, you know, what, what should you do? Uh, these are some of the things that I learned, and I, I'm not an authority, but some of the things I learned was, you know, talk together and pray together if you can. Th- those conversations are important. Do it sooner rather than later. You know, we had these conversations with our son when, you know, Connie and I were in our mid-40s. Uh, we had all the important documents drawn up when we were in our mid-40s. We didn't want to have to, you know, walk through the mess, have him walk through the mess we had to do with 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 my parents. You know, Connie's parents kind of had all that stuff settled. My, my parents, for some reason, didn't. You know, but, but talk about it. Talk about what care will look like. Who, who will make decisions? Um, you know, all those documents that are important, wills, living wills financial and medical power of attorneys, all those things are important to, to get together, to talk through those together. You can you can go to an estate attorney or, or I, I believe uh, Oklahoma.gov even has those uh, those forms you can download and, and you can do those as, as a family. Um, you know, make sure you get all the beneficiaries and all those things right on your bank accounts. Um, you know, do that with your home, your car, your retirement accounts, your bank accounts. Make, make sure you've got Get all of that stuff straightened out. Make sure you, you know, we didn't protect ourselves well enough from a dishonest family member. Make sure you get the right advice to uh, to do that. Um, and, you know, consider talking to a financial planner. Consider talking to a, a pastor. Consider talking to an estate attorney. Um, you know, the Bible says there's wisdom and a multitude of counselors. Getting, you know, getting some wise people together to to guide you is important. And then when you have to go to the doctors, um, you know, if a parent or a grandparent has to go to the doctors, or if you're one of them, bring someone with you, a family member, a friend with you. Two sets of ears are better than one. Uh, two sets of questions are, are better than one. I found that that was really helpful. You know, I know when my mom would go to the doctors. And I talked to her afterwards, whether she was at the doctor with herself or with my dad. My mom was so anxious when she went. I mean, she just didn't get the details right. And I'd have to talk to the doctor afterwards. Or, But I found when I went with them, things just went smoother. But sometimes I couldn't because there was just so much distance. But, you know, talking together, praying together, taking the right steps will will really help you if you get there one day. And I, and I know this might be a, a little bit of a unusual message, <laughs> uh, but sometimes um, we don't talk about the hard things at church. And I, and I found that this is the best place to talk about hard things. It's the best t- place to talk about family, best, best place to talk about, you know, difficult issues in our lives because, you know, we've got God here with us. We've got God's family here with us. And there's, you know, there's, there's a goodness about talking through things, praying through things um, as a church family. Uh, can I pray with you and, and Jesse will come and lead us in our in our response time? Uh, uh, Father God, thank you that you're our heavenly Father. Thank you that you're awesome and loving and and wonderful. And God, uh, thank you that um, wonderful people were here and listened so well today. I, I I pray you spoke through you know my story and your words today, God. Just, just bless us, bless our families, bless us with 
your wisdom and guidance as we, you know, walk through our families with age or or with health issues or other issues in our life. God, Lord, just give us your 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 overwhelming love and blessings and grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. calling me to be your transitional pastor. I'm grateful for that. Our our transition team started meeting uh, 
last Sunday evening at six, and and we'll be moving forward each uh, Sunday evening at six. We'll we'll be doing that most Sundays. Uh, you know, Connie and I really grown to love and appreciate you all so much. You're a wonderful church. I know God, you have great potential. Uh, I know the Lord wants to do amazing things here. And just a reminder about the the transitional ministry. It's a guided process uh, to prepare you all as a church uh, for a new pastor. So you have the you know the best. Uh, ministry possible to gather. The transition team does things like this. They, they help prepare you all as a, as a church for a new pastor by building unity, healing hurts, promoting fellowship, addressing problems, uh, refocusing on the church's mission. Uh, it's an eight stage, uh, guided process. You know, uh, stages one to six prepare for a new pastor. Stages seven and eight are actually calling the pastor and then, you know, helping him get a great start at the church and in, in the community. Um, so, you know, we spent the first couple of months just kind of getting to know one another uh, as a church. Now it's time for us to get to work. Uh, uh, and we'll try to give you an update about once a month just to keep you informed of what's going on. We also want you all to, to be praying for the transition team and be praying for me. Uh, the transition team is made up of 10 people. It's made up of the eight people who are on your pastor search team. And so the pastor search team really is the transition team. We also needed a couple more people. And so um, we agreed to, because uh, we wanted a good balance of ages, to invite Austin, our youth pastor, and Jesse, our, our our worship pastor, to be part of that team. So we've got a good balance of ages there, and they know the church well and love the church. And can we ask your blessing in, in bringing uh, Austin and Jesse on as part of the transition team? Would you bless them with an amen? Hey, thank thank you for that. Um, I want you to know over the past few months, we've really not only enjoyed getting together with you and worshiping with you, uh, been spending a lot of time with your staff team, um, yeah, working together, getting to know one another, doing some team building. We go, we do spend time with each other every Monday, uh, grab lunch together every Monday. Uh, you know, we want your church ready, your staff ready. Um, you know, for when God brings in your next pastor. Can I share a scripture with you as we go? Uh, Acts chapter 13, verses 2 and 3 says, it's talking about one of the first churches. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and set them off. Uh, we believe that you know these 10 people are the, the people that God set apart for the transition team. If you're on the transition team, would you stand so everyone knows who you are, um, and we'll pray for you, and and we'll, and then we'll, we'll go out. Uh, let's pray for these good people. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for this church. We thank you for the ten people on the transition team, you know, chosen and blessed by this church. God, uh, give us wisdom, unity in your grace um, to lead this church forward during this time of transition. We want uh, your church healthy and growing and blessed, and we want to glorify your name, Lord. So bless each person, bless us as a team, and we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people agreed, amen. Hey, hey, back to the sermon for one second. Y'all can be seated. Back to the sermon for one second. Uh, I have a three-page checklist on the things to talk about and the things to do if you're an aging parent or you are you're going to care for an aging parent i'll have some i just got that really late in the week um uh, from a from an expert and uh, if you'd like a copy of that 
Um, I'll bring some next Sunday, but if you'd like a copy of that, I can email you a copy or I can get you a hard copy. We'll have some next week, but let, let me know today. Just give me your email address, write it down on a, on a, on the bulletin or, you know, call or email me during the week or call or email the, the church office during the week. We'd love to get you that checklist to, to help you in that process. Uh, here's a, my favorite blessing from Scripture, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week. I have a good Sunday.